You are listening to Studying Pixels, an extra Christmassy podcast on game studies and video game culture. I'm Stefan Heinrich Simon. I'm a game study scholar from Germany. I'm Dan Hughes, a Japanese scholar from Texas. And you can find us every Sunday on studyingpixels.com and wherever you get your podcasts. The year is coming to an end and it's time for our little Christmas special. Can you believe it's been a year since our last predictions? Yes, because yes, we did it specifically in mind <laughs> that we would do it every year. Never the pragmatist stuff, huh? Yeah. Uh, we Germans are really emotional people, you must know. Yeah. <laughs> Everything on schedule. Well, yeah, I think uh, it's been an interesting year. We've uh, It felt like a lot happened, and I think uh, some of our predictions definitely came true in ways that Maybe it was easy to predict, but others were a bit of a surprise. I'm actually glad that any of them came true because it shows that we have indeed some kind of vague understanding of what we're talking about. Yes, some kind of finger on some kind of pulse. We're <laughs> good to go in that regard. We're going to evaluate our predictions in just a moment, but I just want to introduce the world again to this little music box that I have here. So what, you just, what you're hearing, this is not like an inserted audio. This is actually <laughs> a music box. And I think I had it on the show last year already. Yeah, you did. Very sweet music box. Yeah, it plays the German song, Leise rieselt der Schnee. Slowly if the snow is falling. I was going to say, I remember. I love the, the sound of the name of that song. I thought, if we uh, want to make sure that we don't get any, like, you know, copyright strikes, then I'll just <laughs> bring my own little music box to insert yes. music here. <laughs> With old German songs. But the problem is, though, that there, there's no off button on this, so I can only, I can wind it up, and then it will just keep playing. So I'll just, I'll just put it over here, and, uh, oh, uh, oh my god, <laughs> and it will just keep playing. Excellent. I'll keep playing ah. in the background. It will stop at some point. <laughs> Actually, we are going to go on Christmas break, of course. This is our last episode in the year, and we're going to take a little vacation, take some time off, and we're going to be back on 15th of January, if I'm not mistaken. So we're taking two weeks off from podcasting, just to, you know, recuperate a little bit. Yes, although I will say, if you're desperately missing our voices, which I hope you will, then you can listen to our back catalog and a couple of our replay episodes that have come back, uh, getting back in rotation some of our earliest episodes that we missed, so we, we put them back in. Yeah, the replay was a new introduction that we, uh, that we did this year, where we bring old episodes back. And also, because we just touched upon the idea of a lot happening throughout the year, I realized that I actually think I might have had one of the best gaming years mm. to my recollection. I do remember, like, I've this year I've played games like uh, Horizon Forbidden West. I played God of War Ragnarok. I played Elden Ring, which won Game of the Year. And uh, It Takes Two, which was the mm. Game of the Year last year. I feel like, uh, except for like some games where I was a little bit like, mm, that I felt a little bit like mediocre about, there was so much good stuff this year. I totally agree. I feel like mediocre is the worst that we got this year, which is pretty impressive because usually, usually there's a couple of stinkers. And I, I think that we started the year out strong with Horizon and Elden Ring, and it just set the tone for a really cool game year. And 
we'll get into this, uh, or we've gotten into our game of game awards, uh, reactions and thoughts and everything. But I will say that it looks like 2023 will be similar in a very cool way. So we came out of the pandemic, uh, stronger in game stories. It seems that it seems that way. Yeah. The world keeps getting better. Well, not mm. necessarily. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I guess it, it depends on your view. It depends you know? on the view. The world, the world is great and fantastic and a gigantic heap of garbage fire as well. Yes. You take yeah. the good with the bad. Or it is all of as, that. <laughs> as I've heard another German say, you take the, the round with the smooth <laughs> or the rough with the smooth. <laughs> well, today we're going to evaluate our predictions from last year. We're going to determine the ultimate winner of last year's predictions. And then we're going to set the stage for the same competition for 2023. We have a package of 10 new, I think it's 10, right? 10 new oh, predictions yes. for 2023. And whoever wins and gets the most points will then be able to decide a game that the other one has to play and that we're going to do an episode about. Before we get into this, though, I want to just briefly remind everyone that if you like this show and if you get some value out of it and you want to give something back, then feel free to join Studying Pixels. Plus, it's a really low threshold to, you know, drop in and out whenever you desire. You're going to get all of our episodes ad-free. You're going to get a lovely sticker that says, I am studying pixels. And of course, our monthly plus episodes. If you're curious about that, then you can go to studyingpixels.com plus to find out more. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And we are back talking about our predictions from 2021, actually, for the year 2022. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's been a minute. And mm. we basically, we back then, we said that if I win, I would like for both of us to play Firewatch. Mm. Now, in light of the recent announcement of Death Stranding 2 at the Game Awards, I have asked, and we've consensually agreed that I am allowed to change uh, my nomination for the video game that we should play, and I changed it to Death Stranding, because I actually haven't played that yet, and I think it might be a perfect setup for the second game. Yes, and I've only played, uh, we were joking before that I played a minimal amount of it, but I've played like 10 hours of it, <laughs> but that is minimal for a Kojima game. There's so... still lots more to explore and talk about. So much. And I think I love this idea because uh, moving forward too, I think what we should do is we should just say the winner chooses a game. And then depending on how the game awards go, that's what we choose. Yeah, we can do that. We can just say the winner chooses a game and then we choose it by the time that we actually evaluate the predictions. Yeah, I think that's perfect. And I'm looking forward to playing Death Stranding with a purpose, which maybe goes against what Kojima wants. I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, though, if you win, then we'll play Cyberpunk 2077. Yes. So uh, we we will have to see. I mean, I, I've given the game away a little bit here, but <laughs> <laughs> we well, can I'm still play Cyberpunk. So, uh, from, from what it looks like to me, I Okay, let's, say, yeah, let's get into uh, it. Yeah, I, I would say I'm a little bit in the lead here, but we have to haggle out some details about last year's predictions, and we can just go through one by one. So these mm. are, are our predictions that we said in 2021, things that are going to happen in 2022. And we're going to go through them step by step and see whether they actually were accurate. Do you want to start with your first one? Yeah, so my first one was about The Legend of Zelda, which at the time we didn't know was going to be called Tears of the Kingdom, the Breath of the Wild sequel. My initial prediction was we will not know the title of the Breath of the Wild sequel until days before its official release. Uh, so it's obviously been a long time since we knew what the name of the game was, and the game is not here yet. So unfortunately, that was a bust. Yes, that's a bust. I even I put some additional information in that the title was actually revealed on in September 2002, and the release date is 12th of May 2023, so there's still some time to come. Mm. My first one was actually about Cyberpunk 2077, because people may not remember this, but at the time when we set those predictions in late 2021, Cyberpunk 2077 was all the talk. Oh yeah, it was a pariah of video games. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I predicted that Cyberpunk 2077 finds a second, or rather first, wave of glory, supported mm. by the release of DLC, and I also predicted, to make it a little bit more specific, that it's going to improve on contemporary console generations, so PS5 and the Series X, but it's largely going to remain unplayable on the PS4. <laughs> now, the problem is that this prediction, it's a little bit vague, and I promise to be better with the next predictions, with the next round of predictions. I try to be as accurate as I possibly could. The question is, though, and I think I'll give this to you, is it fair to say that Cyberpunk 2077 found a, a second wave of glory or first wave of glory? Yes, in a weird roundabout way, I would say, because of that Cyberpunk Edgerunners anime that came out that gave people, it kind of gave Cyberpunk the arcane League of Legends treatment a little bit. And I think that Cyberpunk 2077 was already kind of on the upswing kind of quietly, and then Edgerunners came out and people went back to it in droves. And now the DLC has been announced at the Game Awards, so which is free, by the way, another tenet of your prediction. So I think that this is definitely your point. Okay, well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I gladly take the point. And just to add to it for a second, I recently watched a video, uh, the Jimquisition, yeah. about uh, Pokemon. <laughs> and uh, Jim Stephanie Sterling was just like harping on about how uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet is like, 10 times worse than <laughs> Cyberpunk 2077, but gets none of the backlash. Like, literally, CD Projekt Red had to, like, crawl on the floor and apologize. Yeah. And, you know, the Pokemon company is just like, <laughs> I'm just Pokemon, I, you know, you love I, it. <laughs> you'll eat it up. I wonder if the big difference there is that Pokemon has the kind of plausible deniability of like, well, what did you expect? You've seen the games that have come out in the last 10 years. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's the problem because uh, yeah. CD Projekt Red builds a huge heap of anticipation for Cyberpunk, whereas the Pokemon company is just like, huh, that's how it is. You, you know, get. Pokemon, yeah. it runs like trash. You know, <laughs> we do that every year. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, so um, that means for the first round, one point for me. 
Yes. So for the second round, uh, I do believe that I get the point because my second prediction was Elden Ring will absolutely sweep the Game Awards in 2022 and will likely be talked about from its release until the end of the year. So it is the game of the year. It won a number of uh, side awards for, I think, best role-playing game, uh, for some music awards. So it's certainly, it certainly uh, took home a lot of the gold at the game of at the game awards, and everyone was talking about it every day of the year. <laughs> so, you are one hundred percent correct. Here we are. Yep. So I'll take the point there. That one, I will say though, that was a foregone conclusion. I must admit. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a smart one. Is this smart? It was a smart one. You looked at the release schedule for the coming year. You saw Elden Ring on there, and you knew that's going to sweep the game of the year award. Oh yeah. So a point for you. My next one. Bobby Kotick resigns his post at Activision Blizzard because otherwise he would have been fired. Well, alas, I must say, that did mm. not come true. Bobby Kotick is still working at Activision Blizzard. There is, I think, the current state of affairs is that once the deal goes through, then he might be relieved of the position and someone else might take over, but it's not quite clear yet in any case. It is the end of 2022, and he's still working at Activision Blizzard, so no point for me. I also don't get any points, because I, I even, I upped the ante a little bit on my next prediction, and I said, I'll take you one further there, and say that Bobby Kotick will step down from Activision Blizzard in June, after admitting he was not able to change the fundamental issues at the company. So, obviously he didn't step down, but I was thinking, all right, let me, let me put my businessman cap on a little bit give him like two quarters of the year. And then when he fails, he'll step down in June and uh, no dice. <laughs> no dice. I mean, he's still there. The uh, Whether the fundamental issues at the company are fixed, <laughs> that is remains to be seen. <laughs> I think we would all agree he is a fundamental issue at the company. <laughs> he is, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be part of fixing the fundamental issues. Mm. Good place to start at any rate. <laughs> the next one Mm, I'm a little bit unsure about. This is mm. the problem when I was too vague in my predictions. I see that now in hindsight. So my next prediction was about the Steam Deck. And I said that the Steam Deck would launch as planned in February 2022. And indeed, that happened. Mm -hmm. uh, although that was announced. That was not something that was like uh, conjecture. They had announced at the time already they would release in February 2022. And I predicted that it would develop a small following that it would have quite some early adopters, but that it would quickly lose traction because most of the games are not optimized for handheld play. That was my prediction. I think you get this point because I think it's... Now, the, the big question is, did it lose traction or did it retain the small following that it always had? <laughs> because it's certainly a niche system that's used for Steam weirdos who are able to emulate everything that they want. And I think that they would say it's one of the best things that's ever happened. But you don't hear about it really at all, other than that. Other than <laughs> other than Jeff Keighley getting upset at Christopher Judge for all of the Steam decks that might have been given away. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, indeed. It, I, I would say, mm, yeah, I mean, it, it didn't really lose any traction. Mm. I would totally agree with that. It had a, like a peak of popularity at the beginning and it stayed at that at that relatively low threshold. It's not like, it's not at all competing with the Switch. It's not at all on that scale. That's basically what, what people were what people were pondering at the time. 
I think you get this point because I think there's a lot of conjecture about it being like a, a steam or a, a switch destroyer, you know, or being a real contender amidst PS5 and the Xbox Series S. I would say that that's not the case. I would say it's a pretty minor thing that it's like <laughs> it's like a uh, like a Neo Geo or something, something yeah, that it's, people are really passionate that... about. It allows you to play games on uh, on the go, but it is also, I would say, the truest part of this prediction is that, indeed, a lot of games are not optimized for being played in handheld. Yeah. And that means, of course, cool, you can play lots of games in handheld, but then it will be like, you know, the writing will be like super tiny. Uh, the Steam Deck will, you know, burn through its battery very quickly <laughs> if you play something like God of War on it or, uh, or, or whatnot. And I think, uh, yeah, okay, I'll, I, will, I will stop rambling and take the point. <laughs> yeah, I think it's fair. Well, I'll, I'll also take another point, my second point, because I said there will be no Switch Pro or any other kind of next-gen Nintendo announcement. The OLED Switch is it for the time being. It's and that is correct. True. Yep. Yes, we've heard nothing of any Switch Pro, unfortunately, so far. Yep. Stuck with the so, OLED. Which I will say, well, I, in, in as little... Uh, capper to this story so i have an oled switch now um i will say it's definitely the, the switch to have because i've played my old switch and i i it's shocking the difference in screen size when you go back to the old switch so it's definitely if you're going to buy a switch and spend an extra 50 dollars on a game system it's it's worth the extra 50 dollars i think I totally agree. If you don't have a Switch and you buy one now, then there's no reason not to go for the OLED. OLED screens are absolutely fantastic. I love them. The only reason why I have not upgraded from the standard Switch to the OLED Switch is because I largely play the Switch at home and it's docked anyway, and then yeah. it doesn't make any difference. Yeah, so that's that's a factor to take into account. But uh, yeah, it's here to stay. OLED is it for the time being. So now we're head-to-head. -head. We both got two points. And here is my next prediction. My next prediction was that there would be... Uh, this is a prediction for two points, by the way. Yes. For two points. <laughs> I put all the cards on the table. <laughs> there would be an announcement of PlayStation VR 2, I said. It would be natively made with PS5 in mind, I said. I said that it would have haptic feedback controllers that it would have a 1080p resolution with 60 FPS in performance mode, that it would cost 349 US dollars, and that it would release in 2023. <laughs> That's my prediction. I made it hyper-specific in order to gamble <laughs> for the two points. And some things are true, other things are not. So, yes, we did get an announcement of the PlayStation VR. That is true. Yes, it is made with PS5 in mind. And yes, there are haptic feedback controllers. When it comes to the resolution, I was a little bit off. I said 1080p resolution. Actually, it's a 4K resolution. And I said 60 FPS. Well, uh, it's not really indi indicative of the FPS, but at least the display is capable of 90 to 120 hertz. So that's quite above the pay grade uh, that I indicated. And that reflects in the price as well. I predicted 349 US dollars because I remember that I reckoned it couldn't possibly be more expensive than an actual PS5 console. <laughs> and how wrong I was. Yes. <laughs> it is actually 550 US dollars, which at the time I think is the same price as a uh, uh, PS5. Yes, the disk drive version, I think. The digital only slightly cheaper, but the PS... Yeah, so it's the same as the, the hard 
version of the PS5. So I'm I'm thinking you I, I think we don't go points because you made a really good prediction, but you uh because past is typically prologue, you assumed it would be a not so great peripheral. <laughs> and they seem to be shooting for the stars here, which also contributes to that higher price point. So I think your prediction was very smart because, <laughs> because Sony, you know, eh, they're sometimes they cut corners, right? And it seems like maybe they're not in this case, which is the wrong prediction to make when you're going for a Sony peripheral. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would also say, I would say uh, zero points, um, actually. Unfortunately, I must say that because um, I deliberately gambled for two points, mm. that means I'm basically upping the ante. I'm being very specific, but if it comes true, I get two points. However, if I'm incorrect, then I get zero points. That's the gamble, right? Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, I was close, but no cigar. So I would say zero points, which leaves me at two points, and we are still head-to-head. Neck and neck. Although, this is my last one, and it did not come true. So similarly, there was a part of it came true. I said, Guillermo del Toro and Hideo Kojima will announce they are working on a new Silent Hill project together. So the monkey's paw, another finger curls, because we're getting a lot of Silent Hill uh, announcements, none of which are headed by either of those two. But so, that is insane, actually, that mm. that happened even, because I don't think, I that didn't see that coming, that wave of Silent Hill announcements that we got no, this year. No, I don't think anyone did. If I had left it to, there will just be a new Silent Hill game, I would be rolling in the points. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> no dice. I can't, I can't get that, because uh, if memory serves, we were, we were thinking they were telegraphing it pretty hardcore at the Game Awards last year, where Del Toro was like, I wonder if someone could make a game about Silent Hill. Anyway, see you later. <laughs> they were just teasing. How mean, huh? It's all teasing now. Yep. But whatever. Kojima's making games about uh, people coming together with babies and, you know, warm tubes or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that means it will all depend, actually, on this last prediction. Yes. Because now we're, we both have two points and uh, one of us has to win, actually. <laughs> So, otherwise, we have to just play a game of Smash Brothers or something. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, here's my last prediction. I predicted that Netflix's gaming service, which had been announced at the time, would remain largely insignificant. I predicted that it would come with a small selection of games, and it would have the problem that people don't really associate Netflix with gaming. Mm. So... Since a lot of app stores have their own uh, subscription services already, such as Apple Arcade, which I am subscribed to as well, people are less inclined to say, oh, okay, I'm going to go into Netflix for that. And most people just go onto Netflix and pick a you know TV show uh, to watch. Uh, and it would just not make a breakthrough in the world of gaming. Well, spot on. <laughs> I remember uh, maybe a little over a year ago, you had played around with, I think, the Stranger Things game on yes. Netflix. And yeah. I remember even then, before we made these predictions, we were both like, this is not sustainable. <laughs> this is going yeah. to be a blip, if anything. So yeah, point to you, definitely. I see. Sometimes I see like an odd video game or interactive experience on Netflix. And I remember that when they did that for the first couple of times, like with, uh, what was it, the Black Mirror Bandersnatch? Bandersnatch, yeah. Yes, exactly. And I found that quite interesting. It was like an interesting experiment. 
but I didn't see the future of gaming in it. And um, I think, uh, yeah, that probably is to be considered an accurate prediction. Yes. So three points. Yes. The narrow victory. Congratulations and happy Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh my God. Sorry. Yeah. The music, the music box. box is fighting back. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to play a celebratory anthem. <laughs> oh. And that means we're now going to play Death Stranding, aren't we? Yes, which I'm fine with. <laughs> See, the nice I'm thing totally about fine this with it as well. is that we, uh, I don't think, even if we stuck with our old predictions, given that your prediction of Cyberpunk having a resurgence is correct, even if even if I had won with Cyberpunk 2077, I feel like we we're in good hands at this point. Honestly, I would have been perfectly fine playing Cyberpunk as well. Yeah, so maybe... Okay, we'll put a pin in that. Maybe we'll play that anyway because of that DLC coming out. But... Yeah, I mean, just because I won doesn't mean we can't play Cyberpunk. <laughs> <laughs> it's off the table forever now. <laughs> well, Death there's Stranding. a lot more to come in our Christmas special because we're going to actually set up a whole set of new predictions for 2023. And if you're curious about that, then please stick around till after the break. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And we are back. It is time now to think about the predictions that we want to make up for the year 2023. And whoever gets the most points, whoever gets the most predictions right, will be able to pick a game next year that we are going to play together and do an episode about. Yay! <laughs> Very nice. I think that we both went more specific this year. Because last year we were kind of testing the waters and, you know, throwing some lobs a little bit. <laughs> I think uh, mine, mine are pretty particular. That's really important. We need to be as particular as possible because that makes it a lot easier to ascertain whether a prediction actually came true or not. And if any good prediction, it should be one that can be at least roughly objectively evaluated. That doesn't need guesswork yes. to say whether it was actually accurate or not. Or pie in the sky dreaming to see if what we, what we hoped for actually came true in some strange <laughs> uh, twisted way. <laughs> well, shall I start with one? I've got a very particular one. Yes. Go okay, here's my first prediction, number one. Sony purchases Square Enix. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> so we've seen that there is a tough struggle still going on uh, revolving around the acquisition of Activision Blizzard by Microsoft. Mm. And it also has become clear in the process that Sony is not happy at all about this acquisition. They're really, <laughs> they're really trying to push for this, uh, this notion that if that goes through, that will basically completely throw the market of balance because... Microsoft could basically um, make uh, Call of Duty exclusive to Microsoft platforms and take it away from PlayStation, and that would be terrible, and so on and so forth. So this means there is quite some talk revolving around Sony having plans to expand and to respond mm. to the many acquisitions that Microsoft has made recently. However, my guess is they're not making a move just yet, because if they were to do so, they would undermine their own argument. 
in this struggle against this acquisition by Microsoft. But once that acquisition is through, I think they're going to go for it. I totally agree. I think, and I think if anybody, Square Enix is the top contender because it's a Japanese development studio. They have a lot of connections with Final Fantasy XIV. They have all their exclusives. I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer because even going back 20 years, when I think Square Enix, I think of Sony. I know they started on Nintendo, but we all think of PlayStation when we think of Square Enix. So I think that there's some natural connection, uh, connective tissue there. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought Sony has a strong gravitational pull towards Square Enix. And mm. on the other end of the spectrum, like on the side of Square Enix, I actually thought about, uh, would they even agree to such an acquisition? Because they have to be in a financial situation where they say, we have a good reason to sell our company to Sony. And I think that's probably the weak point of the prediction. I, I do think that there is a chance. Now, Square Enix is strong, financially strong and very healthy. They've got Final Fantasy XIV going for them. They've got huge games such as the Final Fantasy VII Rebirth uh, thing and Final Fantasy XVI on the horizon. Uh, and I do think, though, that they will basically find an agreement with Sony. That mm. Sony purchases Square Enix. This is not part of the prediction. This is just conjecture now. Sony purchases Square Enix, and in return, Sony agrees that they would make future Square Enix titles available on other platforms as well, that they would not go exclusive. Maybe they would do something like every Square Enix game is now like for the first year a PlayStation exclusive, and then it can release on other platforms. I think that would be a natural progression, and I could see Square... Because you're right, Square Enix is not in any financial trouble necessarily, so they wouldn't be doing it for a bailout, but they might do it for vertical integration into a, you know, I mean, Sony's, Sony's not a small company. So to have that kind of backing you is pretty substantial. So I do not think that's out of the, uh, the realm of possibility. Especially if you consider that, uh, I would say the prediction, uh, the acquisition does not necessarily have to go through in 2023. It only has to be announced. Like that's the yes. prediction that Sony announces they are going to purchase Square Enix. I can see it. Well, I have, I have a number of announcement type things. So I'll start with this one. Uh, it's very simple. I think Atlas will announce Persona 6 this year. All right. I think, I think that there's been uh, a lot of success with the 25th anniversary for Persona. Uh, Persona 3 and 4 are going to be released uh, in their kind of reincarnated forms in early 2023. Persona 5 is the world eater. <laughs> Everybody loves Persona 5. So I think that the time is right for them to announce that they're working on it. That yeah, they have my... also sufficiently explored Persona 5 at this point. They've they got the main Absolutely. game, they got Persona 5 Royal, then they got Persona 5 Strikers, and now the remakes or the remasters of the older games. I think it's about time that they would make it. It might not come out, but they, they might make an announcement for like, I don't know, spring 2024 or something. I think so. I think I think they'll definitely. Yeah, I agree. I don't. I don't think it's going to come out, but I do think it'll be announced. And uh, we're kind of in the in the cycle of Persona, where uh, you know there was maybe an eight or nine year gap between four and five, and we're kind of, you know, strangely enough, we're coming up on six, seven, eight years of Persona Five being the Persona flagship. So I think it's around around that time. Well, I can see it happening. 
Uh, here's my number two prediction. It's a little bit more, <laughs> a little bit more over the top, <laughs> but maybe not too much. So I predict that Microsoft will announce its next steps towards building a metaverse. Mm. I assume or predict that they're going to use the HoloLens technology, which they already have as a kind of a mixture between virtual reality and augmented reality. And I also would legitimately say that mostly this metaverse is going to focus on, you know, social interactions, on Microsoft Teams, on being implemented in these kind of settings with lots of applications. But I predict that gaming will also play a role. For example, Game Pass will be supported by this new metaverse HoloLens device and that you will be able to stream Xbox games directly to the headset. Now, do you think that this is because Microsoft is trying to tank themselves <laughs> and this is a way for them to, <laughs> to pull, pull a, a producer's type scam where they write it off as a tax uh, write-off or something like that? <laughs> I think Microsoft is just, they are ripe for the metaverse. They mm. have built so much or, and, and they put so much effort into pushing their game pass. Uh, if True. you remember, like they've really, uh, the Xbox Series X and the Series S, um, cool devices as though they may be, they're clearly not the focus of uh, Microsoft. The mm -mm. focus is Game Pass, subscription models, subscription services. The same thing they do for a long time already with their Office applications. Moving to the cloud, moving to subscriptions. And I think if you put all of these things together with the development of AR and VR, and the drive towards the metaverse, I think Microsoft is going to be the next big player after Facebook fails. <laughs> that's, that's a real, see, that's the keystone for me about this prediction is that Facebook has failed. So the options are either we go away from this idea and we just don't do it, or Microsoft comes in and says, hey, remember how that failed? Well, this is what we're going to do to make it not fail because of all of our infrastructure that we have <laughs> yes. compared to meta. Yeah. And I mean, how many people are already using something like, Microsoft Teams to communicate and to organize a team where you can have a meeting. And the thing is, it's not going to be just VR. It's not going to shut you into this virtual space, but it can also be AR so that you can sit at your desk and you basically, instead of having these like small Zoom tiles or Microsoft Teams tiles, you have them basically as augmented reality projections that hover over your desk and stuff. So I think uh, it's a very, it's a, it's a very futuristic, but at the same time, also kind of likely scenario. I could, I could see that, definitely. Well, my next prediction is another video game announcement kind of situation, but I think one that I've been thinking about in terms of the history of Nintendo, and that is Tears of the Kingdom, the Breath of the Wild sequel, will mark the end of the Switch. Now, Nintendo has said that there's a lot more fun to come, but the reason I'm thinking about this is Breath of the Wild was the launch title for the Switch. Breath of the Wild 2 will be coming out. This reminds me of when Twilight Princess was the launch title for the Wii, and Skyward Sword was the final kind of nail in that console's coffin. So, if past is prologue, like we've talked about, I could very much see Breath of the Wild 2, Tears of the Kingdom, being kind of the last hurrah for the Switch. Now, this is kind of vague. So it is, I'll, I was about to say. <laughs> I'll make it more specific by saying I do believe that Breath of the Wild 2 
will be the last tentpole release on the Switch. I'm going to stake a claim on this. I think there's going to be other games, obviously, that are coming out, third-party developers, but the big Nintendo titles like Zelda, Mario, like I do not think we're going to see another Mario game on the Switch. I think this will be it. Okay, so just so I understand it correctly, you're predicting that in the year 2023, uh, Tears of the Kingdom is going to come out, but no new mainline Mario game, um, Zelda, of course not, um, Kirby, mm-hmm. uh, or any Animal Crossing, any of the other major uh, Nintendo I games. Think, I think we've seen them. I think uh, Kirby was the swan song for Kirby on the Switch, the Forgotten Lands. I think that uh, Odyssey, they're not going to they're not going to put an Odyssey 2 on the Switch. I think they're going to wait for the next generation to do another Mario game, and it's going to blow all our pants off. I think that Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be the last big hurrah from Nintendo. Uh, what about Pokemon, though? Does that even count not, as the mainline Pokemon games I'm anymore? not counting that, no. <laughs> Pokemon is not even considered the same league anymore. <laughs> no, I think, I think the Pokemon company and Game Freak have carved out their own niche of, like, you know what it is? It's... If they're like double A games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like in the budget section. You know, when you <laughs> when you go like to to like a, a Woolworth or something, and yeah. it's like uh, there's like a small gaming section. That's where you'll find the Pokemon games. You can get you can get a pack of six Pokemon yeah. games for three ninety nine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, fair enough. Uh, I've got a depressing one. Mm. And that is number three. At least one of the announced Witcher games will be cancelled. Mm. Now, CD Projekt Red, they are super successful. They had a great time with The Witcher 3. They had a rough time with Cyberpunk, admittedly, but they're sticking with it. And they're mm-hmm. making their path towards making it a great game. But I think they're going over the top. They announced the announced games at the moment. I'm predicting that one of them is going to be cancelled. The announced games are, there's going to be one major sequel to The Witcher 3, which is codenamed Polaris. This is going to be the start of a new trilogy, so there are two more games that are going to come after that. I I do think that will happen. I think that's pretty set in stone. There will be a Witcher 4, or however it may be called, a mainline Mm -hmm. Witcher game, and it might well be a trilogy. However, there are also two additional games that are externally developed. They are codenamed Sirius and Canis Majoris. And I think that it's most likely that at least one of them will be cancelled. It will not be like a big thing. It will not be like, oh no, the this Witcher game is cancelled because we don't know much about them at all. I think they will be cancelled internally with a brief statement from CD Projekt Red along the lines of, uh, we are moving, al- reallocating resources instead of working on so on Canis Majoris or whatever. The team is now going to assist in blah, 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 blah in the mainline Witcher game to make it happen. I could even see that coming to fruition in the sense that we've got those two spin-off games, the Polaris and, um, or Canis Majoris, those, those constellation titles. Sirius and Canis Majoris. Sirius, mm-hmm. Sirius and Canis Majoris, two dog names. <laughs> so yeah. I could see, uh, I could see a world where they're being ambitious with that. And then something happens and those two teams merge and there's only one of those that come out. I could see that too, where they, they're kind of spreading themselves a little too thin so they consolidate and we do get a spinoff, but not as many as we were thinking. Or maybe what is supposed to be a spinoff 
the team will instead work on the mainline game and make whatever kind of nifty mechanic they had for the spin-off part of the mainline game. Yes, I can see that easily. So hmm? one way or the other, I can, knowing CD Projekt Red too, uh, I hope they're learning from their mistakes. It doesn't seem like they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they shouldn't they shouldn't just go too big uh, too no. quickly. I mean, it's perfectly fine to work on one Witcher game at the time because these games are huge. Finish it. <laughs> they take a long time to make and yeah. people appreciate when if it's one game and it's amazing just like Witcher 3 was, that's going to be a really long-term success. So Rather focus on one at a time. Though I must say, yeah. to be fair, I want to emphasize these other two games, Sirius and Canis Majoris, are externally developed. So they're publishing them, but the developer teams are not internal in CD Projekt Red. Well, I have uh, a prediction for some additional content as well. So Elden Ring, recent Game of the Year winner. Uh, Miyazaki was quoted as saying that he has a lot of ideas for Elden Ring. So DLC for Elden Ring is kind of all but confirmed at this point, especially since recently, uh, this wasn't full DLC, but they added the Colosseum PvP arenas in yes. Elden Ring. So they're clearly still working on it, which is a sigh of relief for me because I was kind of worried that it was just going to be, look, Elden Ring is massive. That's what you get. <laughs> you'll wait. You'll have to wait for our next game, which in fairness, I wouldn't have been too upset, but I want more Elden Ring. So my prediction is that we are going to get DLC this year for Elden Ring. And I think it will specifically be a time travel story where we go back to one of the ages that we heard about. So the reason I'm thinking about this is Elden Ring, as we both know, is a massive game with so much in it. I don't really know what else you do in the lands between as they're uh, given to us now. So I think... In keeping with From Software's previous DLC endeavors, we're going to be going to a time in the past where maybe we see some of these characters in their prime, or similar to Bloodborne DLC, we'll go to kind of like a, a spooky dream <laughs> of some sort that's taking place in a time that's far off. So I think that that is the context under which the Elden Ring DLC will come out. Okay, so since it is pretty clear that there's going to be Elden Ring DLC... I would like to invite you for a gamble on this ah, one. Uh, yes. I would say uh, you could get two points for this prediction if you basically uh, narrow it down to saying th it only counts when it is about time traveling, when time traveling is of some significance in that DLC. Yes, I will, I will put the ante up for that. I, I will stake my reputation and I will go one further. This isn't part of my prediction for the points, but I think that it will specifically be accessed by grabbing Mikola's hand in Moog's Palace of Blood. That's what I believe will happen. <laughs> okay, I see. Yes. You know a thing or two about that game. <laughs> yeah, one or two, yep. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have given this guy two points. <laughs> You're on, Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so here's my number four. Also... I, I haven't got many about video game announcements. I only talk about video games being cancelled and everything falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> but here's one. I predict that there's going to be, not necessarily released, but announced, a God of War VR game. Mm. Now, the reason for this is that we know that PlayStation VR 2 is going to launch in February 2023. We spoke about that. 
We also know that Sony has been leaning into some heavy-hitting video game series to promote its virtual reality um, headset. For example, we've seen Horizon Call of the Mountain, mm -hmm. which is going to release with the new uh, PlayStation VR 2. And we know that they really boosted Resident Evil Village and its yeah. VR mode. So my guess is that they're going to think about what are we going to do, like basically in the somewhere around the launch window of the PlayStation VR 2. Because people are going to buy it. They're going to start playing stuff. In three hours, they're going to be through Horizon Call of the Mountain. And then they're going to be like, okay, so what else is there to play? I've played through Resident Evil Village five times. <laughs> what else is there? Right? <laughs> and Sony's going to say, yes, keep your headset ready and plugged in because here's, produced by Sony Santa Monica, a, like a spin-off God of War game. And it's not going to be Ragnarok. It's not just going to be like, hey, here's God of War Ragnarok coming to you in VR. Because that might not work all that well. I mean, they probably could pull it off. But I think it's going to be similarly to Horizon Call of the Mountain. It's going to be its own spin-off game. A tie-in game. And it's going to be amazing. Because imagine when, you have the, when you're in VR and you have the controllers and you can basically throw the axe. That would be so fun. Yeah, ah, that would be great. Feedback. Yes. Do you think it's going to be like a, a Link's crossbow adventure for the Wii, where it's just, here's, here's the side game to sell the Wii remote where you just shoot your crossbow as Link? I think that is a terrible comparison. <laughs> Mark no, my words. It's, it's going to be like a story-focused game with, of course, <laughs> VR as a, as a gimmick. And I'm not quite sure whether you're going to play as Kratos or as Atreus. But uh, I think you're going to, it's going to, re uh, both, both characters really would lend themselves to being played in virtual they reality. Would. And I think it's yeah. going to tell like a small story that's part of the God of War series. You know, it would be interesting. And this, I, I'll say this without spoiling anything for Ragnarok for, for you who have not played it uh, out there, but it would be interesting if it was a sort of direct continuation of where Atreus is going, and it's just sort of a little side story. That would mm -hmm. be kind of cool. It could be. It could well yeah. be. Well, I'm. I'm. I hope that one's right because I would play it. I would buy a VR headset <laughs> to play God of War. I'm actually going to do that now that it's mm. Christmas. I um, am considering, since I'm in the final stretches of my PhD, that oh, yes. once I'm done, and this would coincidentally happen to be in February 2023. Uh, that's when I aim to submit that I would, as a reward for myself, get a PlayStation VR 2. Uh, that's a worthy reward, I think. <laughs> I literally, I'll, I'll send off the file and then I'll hop into virtual reality and you won't see me again. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm out of here. I'm so done after these years of PhD work. You can reach me in the metaverse. Yeah. <laughs> well, my next prediction is about Hogwarts Legacy. So we have, we've talked about Hogwarts Legacy and sort of where we stand on it. I've been thinking about what may potentially happen with Harry Potter in the next couple of years, because uh, the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them films uh, did not do as well as Warner Brothers was hoping. And it's up in the air whether they're even going to continue those. So my prediction is that Hogwarts Legacy is going to do incredibly well to the point where Warner Brothers will shift their attention to 
that world instead of Harry Potter. So I think what we're going to see is, first of all, the prediction will be that Hogwarts Legacy will do incredibly well, like shockingly well. And then second, I would wager that Warner Brothers will make an announcement to the effect of, we will be seeing more in the world of Hogwarts Legacy because of its massive success. Okay. Um, let me specifically, ask you... <laughs> yeah, specifically, I was about to ask for and I should, I should clarify, <laughs> specifically films. I think that they will take the world of Hogwarts Legacy and make a movie from that time period because that way it's removed from J.K. Rowling a little bit and they may have other people writing it. So I would, I would not be surprised if that's an announcement that comes out of the success of this game. So, okay. So, so this, is a, this would be the prediction. Uh, then we, we, could, we could basically hang it on. There will be a movie announced in the universe of Hogwarts Legacy, basically in that time space of Hogwarts Legacy. Yes. That's my, I think within next year, they'll announce that. Provided okay. it does well, which is also part of my prediction. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, because we, you could also say um, it does well is a little bit vague, but you could also say, like, since you said it, it's going to do ex ex incredibly well, is it going to be like a Metacritic 9 point something user score? I think, no, I'm, I'm not thinking of the scores because I feel those will be skewed by people who are very That's passionate true. about There's the going to be review bombing like no tomorrow yes. for that game. But I believe that, so... For, for example, right, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet sold 10 million copies within the first week. I believe it'll be somewhere in that ballpark. I think that this game will sell 10 million copies within the first week or two. Okay. Well, enough, um, enough for mm -hmm. Warner Brothers to say, money well spent, let's make more. <laughs> yes. All right. All right. All right. Okay. I could imagine that. I could see that happening. And I think the key to that is that we talked in our episode about how this may be the potential to move away from J.K. Rowling and all of her craziness and just make the world its own. I think if they see massive success with this video game, they're going to say, that's the green light, kick her out. We're just using her world. That might very well happen because I think they are really desperate to disconnect Harry Potter from <laughs> J.K. Rowling's turf Twitter ramblings. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and you're right. As soon as they see an out, they might be like, they might be, take a run for it, you know? Yeah, wash my hands of this. Goodbye. Yeah. Well, <laughs> here's my last prediction. I predict that there's going to be a PS5 Slim that will release mm. in 2023. It might not be called PS5 Slim, but it will basically be a, a smaller and lighter model of the PS5. Now, that's fairly likely to happen because there are rumors all over the place already that that might happen, which is why... I would like to top it with the prediction that the PS5 is, with the release of this quote-unquote slim version, going to return to its original price. They're going to go back mm. to uh, $399 for the discless version, for the digital version. Because they upped the price this year, right? Yes. On the, the current PS5. Indeed. It originally was $399. And then they said like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, because of all the delivery complications and stuff like that, we need to increase the price. They went up by 50 US dollars. Now, the thing is, I recently went to the store and I saw an Xbox Series X laying around mm. there and that is now cheaper. And, yeah. uh, it, well, excuse me, it might not be. The Xbox Series X, I think, is more expensive than the digital version of the PS5. But uh, oh, I, is it? 
I think so. I think the Series X is more expensive than the digital version because the mm. Xbox started out and they basically had this the, the Series X model, which was more expensive, and the S model, which was less expensive, and the PS5 yes. was like in the middle. Okay, yeah, so the X is probably still more expensive. But yeah. Because I, I was thinking of the S. The S I've seen for really cheap. The S is really cheap, yeah, yeah. But I yeah. think that Sony will come to a point where they say, okay, now it's slimmer, it's lighter, and because it's not going to be like a big redesign, I don't think it will be, uh, we're going to give you the original price back now that the international markets have recovered a little bit. It's going to be 400 US dollars. Now, I'm, I have a gamble for you because oh. I, I think this is a reasonable prediction, but I have less faith in Sony than you do when it comes to pricing. <laughs> so are you willing to double down on that price point? Because I believe it'll be higher. Okay. So basically, I get two points if the PS5 returns to $400 uh, in 2023. Yes. All right. I'll do that. Two points okay. for $400. <laughs> we each the have game an is on. <laughs> the game is afoot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my, my last one's more fun. And I think this is probably... This is inevitable. But uh, I think that Game Freak will announce the remake of Pokemon X and Y to come out, I, I believe, uh, this year. <laughs> so that's that's my like stake in the prediction is that I think it's inevitable that they're going to make these remakes. I think it's going to happen this year. And I think it's because, uh, as we discussed in our Pokemon episode recently, they're doing the shotgun Call of Duty approach to <laughs> putting Pokemon games out. My guess is that it's already half finished and they're going to announce it uh, for release in November of 2023. Okay, yeah, I think that's a fairly reasonable prediction. Yeah. So I think uh, it's only a matter of time before that gets remade, X and Y, the first 3DS Pokemon games. And uh, I think it's just going to be sooner than everybody's thinking. All right, then I would say let's briefly recap all the predictions that we have. So my predictions are the following. Number one, Sony purchases Square Enix. Number two, Microsoft will present a metaverse. Number three, at least one of the announced Witcher games will be cancelled. Number four, there's going to be a God of War VR game announced. And number five, the PS5 in its slim version will return to the price of 399 US dollars. Yes, and mine are Atlas will announce Persona 6 this year. The uh, Tears of the Kingdom, the Breath of the Wild 2 sequel, will mark the end of the Switch in the sense that that will be the last mainline Nintendo game to be released on it. Elden Ring DLC will come out and will specifically be about time travel, where we go back to before the events of Elden Ring. Hogwarts Legacy will do so well that Warner Brothers hangs their hat on that franchise and says goodbye to J.K. Rowling, specifically announcing a movie about that time period. And lastly, Game Freak will announce a remake of Pokemon X and Y, uh, and it will come out this year. Wow. That's a range of interesting predictions. You know, I always like to listen back to the previous episodes and go through the yeah. predictions. Sometimes it is hauntingly accurate, and other times <laughs> it is so way off that a year later you look back at it and you're like, oh my God, how could we possibly think that? Do you feel that your predictions are maybe a little better this year because of the conversations we've had all year where we're thinking about all these things very critically. Possibly. Um, though I know I you obviously you think critically all the time about video games, but I, I find that my predictions are a little honed after the conversations we've had over the year. 
<laughs> definitely honed. And also, they're more specific from the learnings from last year's predictions when I yes. went through to evaluate them and often kept thinking like, huh, is this, did this come <laughs> true or not? And then I realized yeah. like, why did we keep it so, way, so vague? Um, and yeah, I, I must say, I take great pleasure in trying to predict these things, which is, it's a fun game, of course. It's a very mm -hmm. joyful thing to do. Uh, and it is also uh, just sitting there and trying to extrapolate from what's currently happening, things that might happen in the future, even though there might not be any rumors about them flying around. Obviously, there, I've had a couple of predictions in there that I threw out because I knew too much. For example, yeah. I, I had one uh, prediction that I put on the bench that would be that Lies of P, the game Lies of P that was announced, I think, at the... At Gamescom, if I recall correctly? I think so, um, yeah. That it would disappoint. Now, the thing is, I actually have played a section of that game at Gamescom. And so you already know. <laughs> that's why I can't say that it would necessarily disappoint, but I have a hunch. And yeah. that's kind of based on insider knowledge, so I kicked that one out. So all of these are kind of really just trying to, you know, read in the stars. Well, I think it's it's similar to saying that Obviously, Elden Ring, that was a... We, I think we had a little bit of uh, contention because we knew that God of War Ragnarok was coming out. And we also yeah. we also thought Breath of the Wild 2 may be coming out this past year. So we were a little on the fence. But I can tell you right now, I didn't put that Breath of the Wild would win because obviously, it's unless it's a total flop, this sequel is going to win Game of the Year next year. But actually, before uh, Elden Ring was released and before we knew that i mean we knew of the hype of course but we don't we didn't know the significance the actual significance and the lasting significance it yeah. would have because we hadn't played the game yet and there, there was lots of hype and lots of curiosity but we didn't know whether it would live up to such extent that it would have been quite reasonable to assume that maybe god of war would become game of the year i will say if there was any contender for it those two going head to head, I don't think I've ever seen one where I was more on the fence. Yeah. Uh, so you never know. You never know what these predictions may uh, may lead to. I'm really curious to, you know, to hear this episode again next yeah. year and be Here's like, time. I wonder what kind of what kind of silly things we were <laughs> thinking back then. And who and who will get to choose which game we get to play. Ah, yes. Well, uh, no matter what it's going to be, I think it's always going to be a great opportunity to play a game together and then talk about it. So we are going to set up a specific episode for our Death Stranding conversation as soon as we've played through it. And before we leave, I would like to throw on this music box once more. I have to always consider in which direction... Oh, wait. Sorry. In which direction to turn it. Turn it this way. Because as always, since this is the last episode of the year, we need to take a moment to say thank you to everyone involved. Because, yes, Dan and me, we're kind of like the faces, or rather the voices of the show. But of course, there's Toby working in the background on interviews and research. There's Friedrich, who works on our Instagram channel. And there's Rich, uh, Richard, who does some editing on our podcast and potentially might have something in store in the future. We don't know. Who knows? Nobody knows. But in any <laughs> case, we're super happy about that. I think it's so great that we managed over the course of now a good year, a year and a bit, to build this fantastic team of people engaging in studying pixels. Yes, kudos to the team and kudos to you listening because it's a privilege for us to have a consistent... We have a we have a base of listeners, which is very cool. And I think that both Stefan and I would have done this even if it was just for the two of us, but to know that 
people are listening and enjoying and engaging in really fun conversations makes it all the better. It does indeed. Thank you so very much for being with us on this fantastic journey and listening to this little Christmas special. I hope you have a really great end of the year and we will talk to each other soon on January 15th, right? That's right. Until then, stay safe and happy and healthy. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.